If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 12. Um, we started a sermon series last week called Signs of the Times, and uh, I joked about it last week, and I said obviously it was a sign of the times because the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl, a couple of them actually, and the Broncos were terrible. It's okay. I know. But now I get to at least say we at least won one game. <laughs> I know. I'm the, listen, hey, shush. I don't need to be tortured anymore. <laughs> it's obviously got to be a sign of the end because the Broncos won. That's what, no, I'm just joking. Um, anyways, <laughs> hey, so today I do want to encourage you with this. There's been a lot of, of obviously things are going on around the world, um, Today is one of those topics that honestly can be very, um, well, let's just be realistic, controversial, especially in the political system, uh, especially in what's going on in, the, in I'll, I'll even be honest, especially with what's going on in the United States of America. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the nation of Israel and how Israel fits into history, right? Most people want to act like Israel just started in 1948 when that's far from the truth, um, that's far from the reality of what we see. And so we're going to unpack and look at what, what the Bible says about the nation of Israel, what the Bible says about really the end times. And, and here's the one thing I want you to know as we jump into this. When we talk about controversy and things like this, I want you to know this, that that song we just sang, in all the things that go on in the world, I want you to know that Jesus is going to be magnified in everything. Right At the end of time, the Bible says that at the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Regardless of them doing it here on earth at this point in time, there is a time where Jesus will be magnified to the fullest. Why? Because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. We play that out. We see that in scripture continually. But I want to unpack today really how the nation of Israel goes. Now, I'm going to warn you, I've got a lot to get through in a very little time. And according to this, we're already uh, at noon, so we're late. And I heard that since um, this weekend was daylight savings time, that meant the pastor could preach twice as long. We'll just make up that time, right? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, and I'll put it at ease. The Chiefs are winning right now. So if I see you jump up and scream, I know you're not necessarily talking about my sermon. You're probably going, yes, the Chiefs scored. So they're, they're winning. But listen, I want to draw your attention. May 14th, 1948 is a significant day in, in, in really human history. After years of brutal treatment in concentration camps from Adolf Hitler and the Germans, a matter of fact, three years, three years and six days after Germany surrendered, Israel, under the leadership of a guy named David Ben-Gurion, proclaimed the establishment of the state of Israel on the strength of the resolution of the General Assembly of the United Nations. Now, you may sit back and go, well, what? I guess I don't know what that big deal is, but I want you to understand how Israel plays within the history of the world as well as within the history of what Scripture lays out and teaches us. I believe one of the biggest misconceptions, one of the biggest flaws in American ideology today is that Israel has somehow come in and overtaken what wasn't theirs in the first place. Now, there's controversy number one, okay? Like, I don't care where you're at politically. I'm going to ask you, where are you biblically? 
Okay, so we're going to jump into that. 6,000 miles away at that time, for those of you who don't know, independence historians and things like that, 6,000 miles away from what's going on on May 14th, 1948, is President Harry S. Truman, who signed the press release at that point in time, and the U.S. had officially recognized the birth of the modern nation of Israel. And you may say, I don't get why that is so huge a deal, but here's what Lowell Thomas, and a popular radio commentator, said at that point. Americans in every part of the country would be turning to their Bibles for the historical background enabling them to understand the history of this day. Now, here's one of the struggles, and I'm going to say this in a very simple way, but here's one of the struggles in the American church today. Most American Christians struggle with understanding the Old Testament and therefore miss out on what God is doing as a result. And I want you to know this, that oftentimes the Old Testament gets so overlooked because we look at it and we go, well, that's way back there. That's the Old Covenant. We don't really see the necessity for it. But if you want to understand the New Testament in a greater way, you need to understand the Old Testament. You have to understand the Old Testament. And so as we talk today, or as we look at this, I want you to understand that the sermon title today is this idea of cosmic conflict, right? What we're going to see from the beginning of time all the way till now is that there has been conflict ongoing from, for millennium in that region, in that area. And it stems from the history of what's gone on in the Old Testament. It stems from the history that we can trace even back, if you're going to step outside the Bible, even back to the extent and purposes, we can look outside the Bible to modern secular history and even look and see what took place in those times and in those places. So keep this in mind. Israel, as a matter of fact, we're going to have a, a thing on the slide here. Israel is about the size of the state of New Jersey. As a matter of fact, if you were to take the state of Missouri and place Israel in it, eight Nations of Israel fit within the state of Missouri, our, our current things. Matter of fact, there's a, a slide up there. Can't throw that bad boy up. You'll see that. That's the nation of Israel. You may be like, what are you talking about? Eight. Keep in mind the West Bank currently isn't part of, of, of Israel. You have Gaza Strip that technically isn't part of Israel. And so I want you to see that Israel has always had a special place in God's history. That's one of the things we're going to look at in this sermon. All right? So why is the tiny nation of Israel seemingly the center of the geopolitical world? Because if you look at it from history, it has always been the center of the geopolitical world. Always. And you may sit back and go, well, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm not understanding why you're saying all of these things. But Israel has literally been the center of the geopolitical world from the get-go, from the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I want to begin to unpack what the Bible says. And as you look at that, we're going to look to a certain extent at what history has revealed to us. So Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we're going to read five verses. Not very hard, not very difficult, but very key to what is going on. Number one is this, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your what? Leave your country. Abram, you are where you're at. Matter of fact, he lived in the Chaldean area. It says, hey, we're going to leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Anybody want to determine or figure out what that is? It's Israel, right? And I want you to know this from the geopolitical sense, 
that if we were to take Israel based upon the nation that God set up from the get-go when he led them into the promised land, right? It goes from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Euphrates River. For those of you who don't realize uh, uh, geography, I was going to say geology, but that's not the right. Geography, right? That would be basically half of Saudi Arabia into Iraq, all the way to the north into Syria, what is modern day Syria, all the way across down and all the way to Egypt. Now, somebody revealed to me how big Israel is. It's very minimal. Matter of fact, I want to just draw your attention to some things. If you've watched news, you've probably heard this. The 9-11 terrorist attacks, uh, during that, we lost 2,977 people in three different locations, right? If we were to put into context, when the attack on Israel took place on October 7th, 2023, 1,400 people were violently slaughtered and executed. Hamas beheaded babies, they raped women, they carried people off into prison. And if we were to compare that, comparatively, based upon the population of the United States versus the population of the nation of Israel, that would be the equivalent of us losing 30,000 people on 9-11. 30,000. And make no mistake about it. Please hear me out with this when I talk about this. Make no mistake about it, this is the evil and wicked attempts of Satan to work through the individuals who land blasted or who attacked a nation that has desired to live at peace. And in every midst of and decision that they've had to face, that they have chosen peace at times over what God has given them. And I want to be very clear on this, that I believe that Israel has the right to do what they want to do, and that's defend themselves. Now, I'm speaking as an American, and I would tell you point blank that if anybody ever told us how we were going to respond, if somebody came in and attacked America, I'd tell them to get the heck out of Dodge, right? And I think that's the way that Israel's kind of responded, right? Enough is enough. So the rise of anti-Semitic language, the calls for death to Jews is nothing more than evil and satanic. And listen, it's happening right here in the United States, and it's happening in our city. There are so many people who want to deny the Holocaust based on history. There are so many people who want to look back and say, it's the Jews' problems, it's the Jewish people's fault, it's Israel's fault, over and over and over again. And what we see is a constant pandering to people who are misled by false teaching about what Israel portrays and what Israel is. Make no mistake about it, this is not about just Palestinians and Israelis. This is about taking a stand against satanic evil as Satan works in the lives of fundamental Muslims who believe they are to exterminate the Jewish race. Now, let me be very clear on this. We stand, as a church, on the freedom of religion. You can can worship what you want to worship. We believe that Jesus is the only way. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for everybody, including Muslims, who look at people from a fundamentalist, extremist way, who are set out in destroying and killing I want you to know this, as Christians, we do not believe or condone killing for the sake of Christianity. So I hope you hear that out. Like, Jesus died on the cross for sinners, me, myself included, for Muslim terrorists as well, and he, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So, I lay that out in a very simple way. Look at what he says in verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. Keep in mind, this is the Lord speaking to Abram. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all their possessions they accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. For those of us who have to begin to understand and unpack the heart of Scripture, you'll begin to know more and more about what's going on in the international scene when you understand what Scripture teaches about what's going on with Israel. I want you to know this. Here's the big idea, if you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that God's covenant with Abram or Abraham is an eternal covenant of God's blessing upon the people of Israel. Please hear me out. This is not my opinion. This is what scripture teaches, that God made an everlasting eternal covenant with Abraham, who is the father of the nation of Israel and blesses them and puts a blessing upon the people of Israel. Now, there's a reason why. You may say, I don't get it. I don't understand. I know we're going to jump into a little bit of that. But here's what I want you to see. Number one, that this, this covenant is an unconditional covenant. Just as Jesus unconditionally loved us, God unconditionally made this covenant with Abraham, who would become the father of many nations, who would become the father of the nation of Israel. And he says, listen, I want you to leave where you're currently living and the people and your father, and I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. This covenant depends totally on God. As a matter of fact, every covenant in the Bible is built upon that. And listen, I want you to understand this, that God never breaks his covenant. The only ones who ever break the covenant are the people. God never breaks his covenant. So when he makes this covenant, it's called the Abrahamic covenant. When he makes this covenant, it is a done deal. It is the thing that's set in stone. It's not going to fail. It's not going to falter. It's not going to come to ruin. But I want you to know this, that in every way, shape, and form, Satan is going to work through the evil of men who suppress the truth because of the wickedness in their heart. And he's going to say, I'm going to do everything I can to stop the purpose and plan that God has. Please be very clear on that. That Satan has been doing that from the get-go. He has set out to destroy the nation of Israel. He has set out to destroy God's purpose and God's plan. And listen, here's the thing. A lot of people will go, well, I don't understand it. And I want to be very clear on this. There are atheists. There are agnostics. There are evil Jewish people. Not going to deny that. I hope, I hope you understand and hear that very clearly, Right? There are people who deny Jesus ever lived. I mean, if you understand the Jewish religion and the Jewish race, you would understand and know this. But listen, his choice of Israel has nothing to do with merit. It has everything to do with covenant. He made a promise with the Israel people. It's not because Israel is greater. It's not because Israel was more sensitive to God or necessarily even more righteous. Rather, when God confirmed his promise of the land to the Jews, he reminded them, listen, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, he reminded them that they were a stiff-necked and rebellious people. But it doesn't change his covenant, right? This whole idea of Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, is the covenant God made. The covenant through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was this, that no matter how bad you are, no matter how far you've gone, Jesus is always there. All I got to do is turn around and believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and I confess him as my Lord and Savior. That's an unbreakable covenant. Why? Because Jesus paid that price. It's unconditional. 
So keep that in mind. This is an unconditional covenant he made with Abraham, and you're like, well, that was Abraham. Abraham's dead. No, keep in mind, what does it say? Listen again what it says. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. This is Abraham. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Listen, what we see in Scripture is a continual blessing of God through the Jewish people. And you may say, well, I don't get it. What was Jesus? He was Jewish. Why did God choose the Jews? Why did God choose Israel? Because it was his sovereign purpose. If we believe that God is sovereign, that he is above all and he knows all things and he's, he's all powerful, then we have to understand why. Because Jesus was Jewish. Without Jesus, there's no Christianity. We have no Ten Commandments if we don't have the Israelite people. God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israel people, which is, by the way, where we get most of the laws and the jurisprudence of what we have in a, in a judicial system was set up, built upon things like that. People can argue and say, oh, these are just moral things. No, we were founded on that nature and principle. Matter of fact, if you know anything about American history, you would know that the people left England to get away from the overreach of the English government and the, the power of the Church of England so that they could practice religion freely. That's the foundation of America. And you can look at it, you can argue all the liberal ideologies you want. That's the truth. Go back and look at history. The problem is, in our modern day education system, we don't want to offend people, so we don't want to teach what's true. Look, all, it's been taught my whole life. Go back and look at the history of what's going on. Now, were there bad things that rose up out of things like that? Heck yeah. Are there bad people all around the world? Heck yeah. But there was a lot of great things that came out, and the freedom of religion was the number one thing that came as a result of what went on in the United States. So number one is a unconditional covenant. Number two, it's a personal covenant. It's a covenant that God made with Abram. As a matter of fact, if you turn over to Genesis chapter 17, I'm just going to read it real quick. Starting in verse 7, it says this. This is to Abram. He says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. What's everlasting? It's everlasting, right? It's eternal. It's ongoing. It's never going to end. And he says, between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Somebody tell me what God just said there. That the land that Israel is to possess was given to him by who? God. See, please make no mistake about it. When we begin to understand the end times, when we begin to understand the geopolitical stance where people are at, and we begin to even see our government begin to sway and lean and tilt into certain areas, we begin to see the problem and the understanding. And I want to remind you of the promise that God said, that I will bless you and every, blessing, every nation that blesses you, I will bless, and every nation that doesn't, I will what? Curse. Keep this in mind because it's a very personal covenant. It's an everlasting covenant that God made with Abraham. And he says, I'm going to pass it on to every generation that follows up from, from you. So it's important to keep that in mind. 4,000 years after this covenant, Abraham is still respected by, get this, Jews, Christians, 
and Muslims. Matter of fact, Muslims would even begin to try and say that they have believe that they have ties to Abraham and, and, and him being the father. But I want you to understand a number of things are going to play out, and we're going to dig in more to that. But I want you to know this, that one day all of the promises God made to Abraham and the nation of Israel as a result will be fulfilled. Why? Because it's an everlasting covenant. It's an eternal covenant. It's an unconditional covenant. It's a personal covenant that he made. And so it's important for us to play this out because when I look at what's going on in the geopolitical realm, if I look at what's going on in the nations, if I begin to look and go, hey, this is what God talks about in his word, I begin to understand and know and I'm not freaked out and worried. Why? Because I know God is sovereign. I know that God is on the throne. I know that Jesus said he's going to come back. And when he comes back, guess what? I'm good. We just don't know how everything's going to play out in between. And keep in mind, I said last week, if there's anybody who claims they know all of it, don't trust them. Especially if somebody says, I know the time. I know the day. Don't believe it. So here's what happens. And as we begin to understand the history of what goes on, the Jewish nation has been scattered around the globe. Matter of fact, it started with the Philistines. It was carried out even by the Assyrians. Matter of fact, if you were to know anything about Old Testament history, the Assyrians came in and wiped out the northern kingdom, right? The northern kingdom was uh, the, the, the uh, oh my goodness, uh, northern kingdom was wiped out by Assyria in, in the 700s. And then you come in at 586, and the southern kingdom was wrapped, uh, wiped out by the Babylonians. If you know anything about the, the book of Daniel, Daniel's carried off into captivity to who? The Babylonians, right? So we begin to see this. And then they were scattered by the Persians and the Medes. And then if you think to the history of what goes on in AD 70, the, the temple was wiped out and destroyed by the Romans, which led to the dispersing of the people. If you read the book of James, as you're reading the Bible, you read the book of James and it says, to those who have been dispersed across the nations. Who is that writing to? Jewish Christians who had followed Jesus and had been dispersed as a result of Roman tyranny and, and oppression, and they ran for their lives for the sake of the gospel. They, they, and, and James gives them, this is how you need to live. This is what you need to do. So be very clear. I want you to notice this, that Israel has been scattered across the globe for years, thousands upon thousands of years. They've been homeless. They've been destitute. They've looked. As a matter of fact, if you were to flip over to Isaiah chapter 11, I want to read this just real quick to you for you to get just a glimpse of what he says is going to happen. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. Sorry, I should have had this bookmarked. Taking way too much time. This drives me nuts. Pastor's not prepared. <laughs> listen, listen to what he says in Isaiah 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Now, this is talking when, when he begins to restore the nation of Israel after the Babylonians and everybody had wiped each other out. But I also want you to know this, that God began to regather people to the nation of Israel, and it started in May 14, 1948. You may still say, well, I'm not getting the big picture. The Bible's very clear that when these things start to happen, it is a sign of the end. Now, let me be very clear. 
our idea of the end means, well, that's soon. And the Bible's very clear with the day, maybe like a thousand years to the Lord. For us, it may be like, oh my gosh, that's, and it may be more time. But what we can know is that based upon Matthew chapter 24 last year or last week, that we know that according to scripture, the times are going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's what we begin to see. I want you to see number three in this. Remember, God's covenant with Abraham is an eternal covenant of God's blessing upon the people of Israel. Number three is this, that God is going to do the blessing and God is going to do the cursing. You may say, I don't like it. Well, guess what? Take it up with him. Last I checked, I'm not God, so I ain't got any authority over him, right? Last I checked, you're not God, so you don't really have any say as well. But keep in mind very clearly what he said in that. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I want to be pretty clear on this. Israel's a great nation. Matter of fact, it's surrounded by 37 nations that want to destroy it. I mean, heck, we only got two that surround us. And thankfully, they don't want to destroy us. But if Israel is this great nation, as God lays it out, why does everybody hate Israel so much? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 65, you can write this down. It says, among those nations, you will find no repose. This is the nations they've been scattered to. You will find no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. Why? Because the Jewish people have been scattered across the world. And he says, you're not going to find any hope. You're going to find despair. You're going to find anxiousness. And so I can't stress this enough that there are many in Israel who haven't followed the Lord, who haven't called on Jesus. But as you see scripture, as you read scripture, you see God's promises to the nation as a whole. And I believe that God will work in Israel, through Israel, even to the point of maybe showing Israel, hey, you may be out of line on some things. But I want us to understand the importance of Israel as a nation. Israel is in the place that God has led them to. Throughout the history of Scripture, we see how God was working all things out to lead his people into the promised land. One of the great debates of our time right now is, should even Israel be allowed to exist? Shouldn't they become a Palestinian state? Every prophet in the Bible except Malachi mentioned the land clause of the covenant with Abraham. Why would God do that? So let me clarify. If you are a Bible-believing Christian who says, I believe Scripture is true. I believe that Jesus is revealed in Scripture. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I follow him. If you believe that, I want you to know, every prophet, every major and minor prophet except Malachi, mentions the clause of the land in the Abrahamic covenant. Do you think that's important? Why? Every one of those prophets went to the nation of Israel and warned them of their impending doom if they didn't follow the Lord. Because of idolatry, because of evil and wickedness, they would suffer. They would be carried off into captivity. They would be led into slavery and things like that. But every time those prophets preached, they always said, listen, when you come back to the Lord, you will be reestablished as a nation and here is the land you are going to dwell in. That's the land clause of the Abrahamic covenant. 
And a lot of people may or may not like it, but I want us to know this, that God knew, God knows right now what we're dealing with. God saw down into the future that the debate that would come out over the land of Israel. And listen, and if God knew that, if he knew that, he knew that if we didn't see this and understand it, that we would be swayed in a certain perspective or direction. That is why we as a church, I as a Christian, I as your pastor would sit back and say, we 100% support Israel to live as a nation. Do I condone everything that Israel does? No. Do I condone everything the American government does? Heck no. But I want us to get that understanding to know that the Bible prophecy is very clear on the nation of Israel. And we must take a stand on that reality. Here's number four, that the enemy works with evil intentions. All of the history of the Bible shows us the attack of Satan against the work of God. Throughout the history of the Bible, it started with Cain and Abel. We were just talking about this this morning in our, our Believe class. Cain killed Abel to try and stop the seed of what was going on. Why? Because Abel made a willing and right sacrifice and Cain didn't. That's the work of Satan at, at that time. Satan misled Adam and Eve right? Led him into sin. So it starts there with Adam and Eve. It goes to Cain and Abel. If we think about it, the flood, during the flood, he only preserves one family, Noah's family, right? Everyone else is wiped out. Jacob and Esau, if you remember anything, Esau sold his birthright and then was mad enough about it to kill or want to kill who? Jacob. If you know anything about what we hear, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the key patriarchs in the Jewish faith, and as well what we would look back and say as patriarchs of Christianity. Why? Because through that family, not only were the nations blessed, but through that seed of that family, who is born? Jesus. If you look at King Saul and the very attempt that King Saul made to try and wipe out David, who is David? David was part of the bloodline of Jesus. It's the lineage of Jesus. When Pharaoh tells the Egyptian midwives to kill the young baby boys to, that are born to the Israelites, why is this going on? What, is the, what in the world is going on? It's Satan working overtime to try and take out the seed that God has planned, the purpose that God has planned to restore and redeem all of creation, every bit of humanity, all of mankind through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what race or religion you've grown up in, what nationality you are. Everybody needs Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. If you go back and know anything about Haman in the story of Esther, a matter of fact, that's my wife's Favorite book of the Bible. She talks about it consistently and constantly. I kind of joked about it uh, a couple times, and I had to uh, eat crow. But Haman was an evil man of Persian descent who did everything he could under Artaxerxes, the Persian king, to wipe out the Jewish population. Make no mistake about it that Adolf Hitler was another attempt by Satan to work through the minds and lives of evil men. So please understand when I say this, the very purposes of God will always face the attack of Satan. And here's number five. I want you to see what's going on. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Psalm 83. I want to wrap up with this. What you see in, in, in number five is this, that there are alliance of nations surrounding Israel that will unite against them. The Bible predicted it. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you, if you want to try and begin to understand this, you need to start to read more of the Old Testament. You may be like, oh my gosh, where do I start? I would start with like 
what I just mentioned, some of these verses in Deuteronomy and, and Numbers, Numbers chapter 20, we're going to reference here in just a little bit. I would start with Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39 that talks about Gog and Magog, the potential of Russia and China getting wiped up into this. But I want to read Psalm 83, at least the start of it. And listen to what he says. O God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet, O God, be not still. See how your enemies are astir. How your foes rear their heads. With cunning, they conspire against who? Your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. With one mind, they plot together and they form alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia and the people of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them to lend strength to the descendants of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian. Now I want to stop there and unpack just very simply, very quickly. I want you to see what ends up rising up. Matter of fact, I think there's going to be a map that'll pop up as I go through this and to let you understand what was going on at this time. Israel was surrounded as a nation by these same tribes. Matter of fact, I want to unleash some of these. If you know anything about Edom or explain some of these, Edom was the descendants of Esau. Who's Esau? The brother to Jacob, right? The brother of Jacob who wanted to kill Jacob. Why? Because he sold his birthright. Esau sold his birthright out. So there's some bitterness, there's some rage, there's some anger that rises up as, a bull, as, a, as, a, as an issue there. Matter of fact, Esau or Edomites mistreated Israel as a brother nation. If you know anything about when Moses left and led the people out of slavery in Egypt into the, what was supposed to be the promised land, they request to cross Edom. And do you know that twice Edom denied him and said, don't you come in here or we'll wipe you out. A brother nation rises up and says, if you come in here, we're going to wipe you out. Numbers chapter 20, verses 18 through 22, it says this, but Edom answered after they had requested, you may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out and attack you with sword. The Israelites replied, we'll go along the main road. If we are our livestock, drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through on foot, nothing else. And again, Edom answered, you may not pass through. Then Edom came out against them with a large and powerful army. And since Edom refused to let them go through the territory, Israel turned away. I want you to notice that right from the get-go, Israel attempted peace in history. They don't want to overstep what's going on. They're heading in there, but Edom is against them. Number two is the Ishmaelites. If you know anything about the Ishmaelites, they're descendants from the son of Hagar. Hagar was the Egyptian servant of Sarah that ends up shacking up with Abraham, and they have Ishmael. Ishmael ends up having 12 sons and a daughter. Those 12 sons all become 12 kings, 12 rulers. Matter of fact, it's in the Bible. It talks about them. If you want to look it up more, 12 sons, it became 12 rulers. These are Arab tribes from which early Muslims, if we can trace it out, early Muslim people descended from these 12 tribes. The Ishmaelites, you can notice where they're located up in here. The Ishmaelites were against uh, the people as well. Moab was the son of Lot. 
If you know anything about the son of Lot, he worshiped Chemosh. He was a, a pagan, and he rose up against Israel as well. You got the Hagrites. Now, some of you are like Hagrites. Some of your, your Bible may something else like the, the Biblios or, or things like that. They're mentioned in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 5. They are nomads from east of Israel, and they were associated with Ishmaelites. They're, they're part of the tribes. You have Gebel, which is the land of Edom, south of the Dead Sea. You notice on there, if you go down in that area, you have the Gebel people who were related to Edom. You have Amalek. Amalek was considered a thorn in Israel's side. You have Amon, who was the son. Listen, Amon was the son of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. Now, for those of you who don't remember the story of Lot, the, the, the city was destroyed, right? Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, right? People are wiped out. Lot gets drunk. His daughters decide to take advantage of him because they're afraid the bloodline will end. And what happens? Now we have the Ammonites, right? The son Ammon was born, of which we get the Ammonites. Then we have the Philistines. For those of you who know anything about Old Testament history, that's Goliath. They were a ruthless people who dwell in what is modern-day Gaza. Ruthless, brutal. You go back and study the Philistines and the history, they were torturous people. They would do ungodly things to people to destroy them. So we start to play all of this out. You look at Tyre, which is Lebanon. It's up in the Lebanon region, which is where Hezbollah currently dwells. You have Assyria, which is where current or modern day Syria is. Listen, I want you to understand that all of these tribes, a lot of these tribes have taken on and follow Islam. And they talk about jihad against the great Satan, which is the U.S., as well as the Zionists who are despised, the Jewish people, the Israelites. Matter of fact, make no mistake about it, Hezbollah, Hamas, and all of those are set out to wipe or annihilate the nation of Israel off the map, just as Germany set out to do under Adolf Hitler. So this has been an ongoing war between Israel and these nations that have desired to see their annihilation and extermination. This has been going on for thousands of years. And for us to understand this is to begin to look through Scripture and go, man, what the heck is going on? Because the Bible says as times get closer that all of these nations are going to align again with each other and come after Israel. And I'll be honest, I'm not going to lie, that what's going on in in the United States bothers me. It bothers me because there are a lot of people who want to walk away from supporting Israel. There are a lot of people who want to support terrorists. Now, this is not anti-Palestinian. For anybody who's like, oh, you're not supporting the Palestinians. That's not true at all. This is anti-terrorist. Israel has every right to live as a nation. God set it up that way, and they have every right. But I believe, and I know, that God is going to come under attack by Satan. It's been going on for history, and that's where we're going to deal. Listen, modern-day fundamental jihadists hail from the countries that we just mentioned on these tribes right here. Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, UAE, Egypt, Libya, Sudan, Morocco, Palestine. And as you dig deeper, we can see ties into Russia and China. So when it comes to the end times in this cosmic conflict, you have to begin to understand or ask this question, am I ready? 
do I realize that at any point in time, I could be wiped out? I could die. I mean, you could be killed in a car accident. You can be wake up tomorrow. Man, I had one of the kids that was in our collegiate ministry down in Springfield when we were there. I just saw a post yesterday. Matter of fact, I messaged him yesterday. Him and his wife were, had been married, I think, I think eight years. Last week, she got a virus, and she's dead, 30, 32 years old. And I messaged him. I'm like, bro, dude, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I, man, I, I'm praying for you. Right? We don't know tomorrow. What I do know is this, that the Bible is very clear. Jesus said he's coming back. Jesus said we need to be prepared and we need to be ready. That we were given signs, and these signs point that times are going to get more and more difficult. Make no mistake about it, as you continue to watch the news, I believe that things are going to get worse with Israel. It's my belief. But my belief is built upon what I would say is a biblical worldview that says, look, this is what the Bible says. It's going to continue to get worse. And my understanding is this, that God will bless those who bless Israel and God is going to curse those who curse him. I believe wholeheartedly that one of the reasons the United States has been able to stand the way it's been able to stand is because of the support of the nation of Israel. Throughout the history, the judgments of God have fallen heavily upon Israel's oppressors. And keep that in mind when we go back to Genesis chapter 12, because he's very clear when he says that, that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Israel's desire is for peace, but I want to know in a greater sense is this, that I believe that the enemy of God has deceived a lot of people to misread and to misunderstand the times and to know what's going on, to make you think you've got a better day, to make you think that peace is possible. Last I checked, man, if you look throughout history, you can have a utopian idea all you want. But the only utopian society that's ever going to come is when Jesus comes back and he says, I'm going to establish a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more crying and there will be no more death and there will be no more tears. Why? Because I have restored all things. There will be no sun or moon or stars because God is light and in him there's no darkness. And when Jesus comes back, he comes to establish an eternal kingdom that will last forever. And so my question is this, are you ready? This is not a scare tactic. This is truth. This is not a ploy to get you to choose one side or another. You choose how you want to go. The Bible is very clear that people will suppress the truth because of the wickedness of their heart. Do you continue to walk away? Or do you call to Jesus for salvation? Father, we praise you and thank you for today. We thank you for the hope and the salvation that Jesus offers. God, I know that Israel is not perfect and we recognize that. We know that you have greater things in store and that God, someday you're gonna restore Israel to its right standing. But God, may we be a people who watch for the signs. May we will understand the cosmic conflict that's taken place. May we see the work of Satan at work around us in the lives of people around us. God, may we pray for a great awakening and a great opening of hearts and minds to the truth of the gospel. May we see people saved, redeemed, bought, and purchased by the blood of the Lamb. 
Jesus died on the cross and rose again, offering us life. God, may we understand and celebrate the life that we have. May we not live callously, but may we live carefully, cautiously, with great expectation to stand on the truth of your word and the hope that comes in Christ and Christ alone. God, may you have your way. God, may you give us wisdom as we look deeply and intently more into your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.